So strange, but appealing. Welcome to the Bump Shop Diaries. Join us, perhaps you may want to listen to a Bump Shop story. The sudden explosion of the shotgun and its subsequent powerful recoil caught Professor off balance, sending him into a reeling spin the sawed-off 12-gauge nearly leaping out of his hands as he struggled to remain erect, his feet shuffling over the empty beer cans and wine bottles that littered the floor of Dirtball's pad. He sat down hard, finally giving way to the vertigo caused by the shock of the blast. Seen almost in slow motion, the right side of Dirtball's head disintegrate and paint itself in dots and splashes on the cement wall of the garage where he had lived until this moment. The small pistol flew through the air as it left Dirtball's stiffened fingers. He executed a half backflip, urine spraying through the holes in his soiled and tattered Levi's while the splattered gray of brains and hundred fingers of blood slithered worm-like down the wall, obliterating the graffiti of a hundred acid trips and dreams. Covering swastikas, iron crosses, crudely drawn nudes, and finally bellying the scribbled promise, Jesus saves. The door burst open and Hooch half-crouching the 357 Magnum held before him with both hands, leaped into the room, eyes wide and darting, taking in all at a glance. What the fuck? What the fuck? He stammered, his weapon sweeping the room, looking for a target. What the fuck happened, man? Professor got up quickly and began stuffing his pockets with snuff cans that had been sealed with masking tape. Grab the rest of these. Let's get out of here. He said, panting as if he had just done the hundred-yard dash. His hands were trembling. That motherfucker tried boosting me. I didn't even have time to aim. Just pulled both triggers, knocked me on my ass. He said, shaking his numbed fingers and surveying the damage. God damn! He leaned over the downed and bloody corpse of Dirtball. The grisly mess trembled slightly, the fingers clenching and unclenching rapidly. Murder reflexes. Professor said, sounding professional, remembering medical school. God damn! Half his head's gone! Everything from the triangular is up! Hooch grinned in spite of the gore and mayhem that surrounded them. Let's get the fuck out of here before I have to help you do an autopsy on him. Sometimes I just think you're fucking weird. Professor gave Hooch a light kick in the ass as they went out into the night. See what a college education can do? He laughed. They rode their hogs until dawn began to break riding into the sun for an hour before pulling off of the road and into the forest to get some rest. In the morning, they would turn west again, heading for home. How much stuff do we got? Hooch asked after they had spread their blankets and started a small fire. Professor emptied his pockets, adding his snuff boxes to Hooch's. 21? Jesus, we are going to be a couple of rich motherfuckers. Yeah, but don't get rich yet. Not until we get out of this part of the country. We got a long ways to go, and about a zillion rednecks just waiting between here and home just to blow us off the road. All we've been hearing for the last week is, 
Hey, Prune. Picker fairies. And where'd you get that long hair, sweetie? Fucking hillbillies. Just be cool, man. We'll only putt after dark and pretty soon we'll be out of here. He assessed the pile of boxes. Old Dirtball is never going to know what a nice thing he did, giving us all this acid he's been making up. He got enough to turn on the whole state of California. Because of the road conditions and the darkness, the trip from Charlotte to Knoxville took all night. And as dawn approached again, they bedded down in a small stand of trees where the road paralleled the river. They were sleeping soundly in the dark shade of the trees when Professor grunted and opened his eyes, gasping with pain as a heavily booted foot kicked him repeatedly in the ribs. He started to rise, then relaxed as he realized he was looking down the barrel of a browning over and under. Well, well, well. A fat redneck sheriff was saying. He glanced at his deputy, a skinny little man in an oversized uniform who held the barrel of a single-shot antique 12-gauge an inch from Hooch's nose. Looks like we got them California fairies the boys been talking about on the CB. Y'all reckon they got anything to do with that there murder happened yesterday in Pine Tree? Could be. The skinny deputy answered. This one here looks like he got some blood on his clothes. It's paint and grease. Hooch growled, holding very still. The little deputy pushed the barrel of his antique down hard, cutting Hooch's lip. A small trickle of blood ran down his cheek, but he gave no sign of having felt the pain. Toughen, ain't ya? The skinny cop said. His face turned hard, although his chin trembled. He poked Hooch harder. The end of the shotgun barrel clicked against Hooch's teeth. To the satisfaction of the skinny deputy, Hooch winced in pain. Roll over, boys, real slow. Now put both hands behind your backs. Professor and Hooch did as they were ordered, although each cursed softly. Handcuffs were fastened tightly to their wrist, and then they were jerked roughly to their feet. The big redneck sheriff paced back and forth before the two manacled men, looking them up and down, sniffing, then wrinkling his nose as if in distaste. He turned to his deputy. Look through that there stuff they carrying. See what you can find, Jeb. He spit a gob of tobacco juice on the ground directly between Hooch's feet, then extracted a half-pint bottle of Jack Daniels from his rear pocket and took a big swig. These two here? Now they look like a couple of them dope fiends they got out in San Francisco. A couple of them hippies. He hissed the last word as though he wanted to give it some kind of lascivious meaning. The little deputy hauled out a pocket knife and began slashing away at the ropes and straps that held blankets and sleeping bags on the sissy bar of the two hogs. And as bundles fell to the ground, out rolled several cans labeled Copenhagen. The fat sheriff walked over and nudged the cans with his pointed boot tip. Somehow, he said, giving the handcuffed pair a mean look. Somehow... You all don't look like the snuff-eating kind to me, Jeb. Open up one of them cans. You motherfuckers ain't got no right tampering with our shit, man. 
You're violating our constitutional rights. That's illegal search and seizure. We ain't done a damn thing. Jeb, the sheriff cut him short. Shut that boy's mouth for him. Without a second between order and action, Jeb kneed Hooch in the crotch. And as the biker went down, Jeb slapped him alongside the head with the butt of his shotgun. The sheriff spun quickly and slapped Professor hard, hitting him across the face with his calused hand. Boy, what your friend said wasn't what I call either nice or smart. Now down here we respect mothers. And if we do any fucking, it's gonna be, uh, you California fairies we fuck. You read me loud and clear, boy. He stepped back, a look of satisfaction on his face. He had wanted to use that final line ever since hearing it on his favorite television show, and at last, the opportunity had come. He reached out and tore the red bandana head rag off Professor's head wiped his tobacco juice smeared chin and threw the head rag into the bushes Jeb open up one of them cans and uh let's uh let's see what these two been up to Jeb opened one of the snuff cans carefully and there was a mild confusion on their faces as the white powder came into view well my my the sheriff said, glancing from one to the other of the bikers. Professor was still shaking his head from the effects of the slap, and Hooch was rising groggily to his feet. This here looks like some of that there dope you boys been hauling down here to sell our children. You probably the same ones been raping all our sweet little gals and corrupting the morals of the entire self. Had some fiend killed over in Pine Tree the other day. Y'all might even know a little something about that. It's dope, Sheriff. Jeb chortled happily. It's dope, all right. It looks like dope. You asshole. It ain't nothing but powdered sugar. We carry it like that to keep it dry. He smiled as a sudden inspiration came to him. Taste it, you'll see. The pair of officers glared at the bikers with glowering suspicion. For Christ's sake, Sheriff. Taste it and you'll see it's only sugar. It can't hurt you, even if it was dope. You've seen Kojak and those other TV cops do it. You don't think they'd do it if it was harmful? The Sheriff swelled up a bit, flattered to be the center of attention, just like one of those big TV cops. He took a big pinch of the white powder and placed it on his tongue, rolling it around in his mouth, his face a study in concentration. Jeb took a pinch too and followed his master's performance. Neither of them spit. The sheriff was still looking off into space. It's dope. It's dope. Jeb chortled again. If that ain't dope, I'll stick it up my ass. The sheriff raised both his hands in front of his face, moving his fingers slowly. Look at them lights. My hands, I can't move them. He wriggled his fingers, passing them up and down before his eyes slowly at first, then accelerating until his hands and arms flapped furiously. Feathers! I'm covered in feathers! He gave a couple of experimental hops, then made a little clucking sound. The little man began to cluck too, following the hypnotic suggestion of Chief, I'm a chicken. 
He chirped. A birdie. A birdie. He whistled, but it sounded so bad that he reverted back to the clucking noises. Professor and Hooch sat down on a log and watched in silence. The LSD from the snuff can was really taking effect. The sheriff ran frantically about, tearing his clothes off, stopping now and then to preen the feathers that he imagined were covering his body. He chased the little deputy, stripped completely nude except for his cowboy boots. Both naked bodies whirled about the small clearing in the forest. The sheriff ran up a tree trunk, half-fallen, that was caught in the limbs of another tree. When he reached the top, he launched himself into space, flapping his arms and clucking. He leveled out in flight and hit the ground like a cow jumping out of a silo. He landed with a great earth-shaking thump. Oof! <coughs> he said. He rolled over on his back, breathing hard, and his groping hands found his crank. <coughs> he growled, rolled rotating his fist and stroking violently. Oh, Mary! He leaped up, spurting saliva dripping from his chin and ran into a tree. He stepped back, lowered his head and ran ran into the tree several more times before finally missing it and disappearing into the forest. In a moment, he ran back into the clearing, a long-barreled service revolver in his hand found apparently admits the clothes he had torn off and thrown into the bushes. Chicken. Chicken. Here, chick, 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 chick. Jeb strutted by clucking and the sheriff swooped him up under one fat arm. He spit on the muzzle of the revolver and jammed it up Jeb's ass, then dropped the little man and ran off into the forest again screaming. The little deputy stood quite still in the center of the clearing, alone in some distant world. His hands clenched before him as if in a prayer, a solemn look on his face. The long-barreled pistol hung from his rectum like a great misshapen hemorrhoid, unable to fall out because of the large, rounded foresight. Tears welled up in his eyes. I'm going to tell my mother, he said softly and... Hands still clasped before him, he walked out of the clearing into the forest, taking little steps and keeping his knees together. The pistol waggled behind him. Quickly, Professor and Hooch located the handcuff keys in the sheriff's discarded trousers and unlocked their cuffs. They scrambled about, restowing their gear, and fired up the hogs. Through the trees, they watched as the police car rolled along the distant road in reverse, slowly crossing the shoulder and disappearing into the swift river, driverless. They rode slowly and carefully over the rough ground towards the road, and just as they stopped to see if it was safe to pull out, Professor saw Jeb out of the corner of his eye. The little man was sitting on a small pile of leaves and branches. I'm gonna lay an egg, Jeb said, smiling. Join us, perhaps you may want to listen to a Bump Shop story. New and vintage merch available at BumpShopBackroom.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bump Shop Diaries. The story you just heard was from 1976, written by John Watson, entitled The Birdies. 
And what a story it was, man. Starts with a shotgun blast and ends with a mind-bending, hallucinogenic trip in the woods. Not uncommon for most of your weekends, I'm sure. You can relate to it, right? Um, I want to give a special thank you to some of the homies. Michigan Garrett for playing the role of Hooch. He is a real-life Hooch, so it worked out perfect. Um, and the, the rest of these guys I'm going to thank at the time of me recording this outro have not yet sent me their audio, so hopefully they do, so I don't got to bleep all this out, but if you hear a bunch of bleeps, that means they're fucking slacking and they're lazy. And I got to hire new talent willing to work for free. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, Tyler playing the role of the professor. He is the real-life professor. He's like the smart dude in the group, or appears to be. He's the most clean-cut looking one. He looks like he would be the smartest. I guess we'll give him that, right? Jab Bike Josh for playing the role of Jeb. Jeb starts with a J. Obviously, the role goes to him. Jab Bike Josh. What else do we got going on? It's bow season in Michigan. The weather just finally got cold. Deer were moving, seeing tons of action. I saw two big boys, two big bucks, man. But it's like their grandfather told them, hey, it's bow season. Get within like 75, 80 yards, and they ain't going to do dick about it. I never had a clean shot. I only seen them the one morning. I'm trying to catch them slipping, you know. Anyway, so I made this video, I don't know how long ago it is, two weeks ago at the time you're hearing this probably, and it's about Sportsters. I'm ripping on Sportsters. It's on the Bump Shop Diaries Instagram. Go to Instagram, Bump Shop Diaries, you can see the video. There's like a lion riding a motorcycle in the thumbnail, whatever. But uh, yeah, so I'm making fun of Sportsters, but you know, I'm an equal opportunity maker funner. I'll make fun of Dinas, I'll make fun of Baggers, Sportsters, Hondas, Metrics, BMWs, Choppers. I will make fun of all of it because it's more fun when you're laughing. You know what I mean? Life is more fun when you laugh. You gotta be able to laugh at things, at yourself. But dude, I don't get it, man. It's like, if you look at the Bump Shop Diaries Instagram, it's a lot of just fucking memes. It's a lot of just bullshit to laugh at. People think it's funny. I think that the reason I make it is because I personally think it's funny. If other people find it funny, that's cool too. But I guess you would say they're uh, they're like I don't know what the word would be like chopper themed or like they're for chopper people who have that chopper mentality. You know what I mean? It's hard to explain. But anyway, this video somehow worked its way out of the chopper people and into gen pop you know what i mean it's like uh it's like prison or whatever you know this this video got shoved into gen pop and i'm telling you what dude people can't handle when you make fun of sportsters or anything dude i'm gonna read some of the comments that were left on this video Dude, it's people are losing their fucking minds. Cause how dare someone make a video making fun of sportsters? And the funniest part is I have a sportster. You know what I mean? It's like I didn't set out to be a troll. I was just making 
a video for some jollies, for some laughs, you know? And, uh, dude, now I just feel like I'm trolling because I just like to feed into the bullshit comments, you know what I mean? Whatever. Let's get into some of these comments. All right, so first up, Mike underscore Hamilton comes in, and he says, Sportsters are like Miatas. You're not necessarily proud to own it, but it's fun, so you own it anyway. And I pinned that comment because it's fucking hilarious, you know? But yeah, there's like 375 comments on this video, which might as well be like a million to me, because that's just a whole bunch. So we're not going to read all of them, obviously. I'm just scrolling through on my phone oh this dude blake zingale he said i'll steal your wife on my sportster and i went and looked at his page he has a chopper a sporty that he chopped hardtail and uh i said dang dude you're riding a rigid so you got a pretty good chance at that you know chop all sportsters uh this guy says, why do I picture an old gray boomer on a trike saying this? And that's like half the comments are just making fun of whoever made this is an old guy on an ultra with a sleeveless shirt and fingerless gloves or some fucking boomer who doesn't know anything. Sporty's rip, brah. It's like, come on, guys. Could it not be a guy who has a sporties making fun of sporties? Like, when did that become a thing? Because apparently that's a thing. They just assume, like, oh, you're making fun of sportsters, you must ride a couch, bro. There's also, like, a lot of ones that, uh, a lot of comments that are like, you don't even own a bike. The guy who made this has never even been on a motorcycle. To which I'd reply, like, yeah, dude, they're way too fucking dangerous. Uh, this guy, Salisbury... He says, girls like sportsters. If you want to attract dudes, ride a Dyna. That, that is a comment that a guy who can't afford a Dyna would make. You know what I mean? Girls like sportsters because girls own sportsters. Yeah, I know. Other girls, like girls own any kind of bike. And here at Harley-Davidson, in the year 200,023 or whatever it is, we make gender-neutral bikes for all. All right? We're totally woke and that's fine dude make bikes for everyone but also make fun of all bikes make fun of fucking dinas and soft tails and uh, ultras and whatever you want to make fun of oh a lot of people who say sportsters saved harley davidson you wouldn't even have harley davidson if there weren't sportsters which like Maybe, kind of, it's muddy there. Like, yeah, Sportsters are obviously, they've sold the most models of Sportsters. I think I looked that up, but I don't know. I, I know the soft tail had a lot to do with them coming out of AMF and all of that and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, people take shit so seriously. The internet is full of insane people telling you that right now dude it is full of insane people 
Um, perfect example, though, of not an insane person, but a girl with a sportster is there's this chick, Julie Dazzlin, and she sounds dope. She's got a chop sportster. She's got a regular sportster. She rides it across the country. Like, that's fucking sick, dude. And it's twice as hard to ride a sportster across the country than it is, like, a bigger fucking bagger. Like, for sure. And if it's a chopper, I don't care if it's a fucking shovelhead or panhead or a big twin Evo or sporty fucking chopper. Like, that's four times as hard to ride that across the fucking country. You know what I mean? Like, it's gonna break. You're gonna have to fix shit. Um, so props to that chick, dude. Uh, oh yeah, a lot of people also commented, like, I never understood why sportsters get so much hate. What's the stigma around sportsters? Is it because they're small? Is it because they're for girls? Is it like this, that, the other thing? Let's see. Some people did have, like, a good sense of humor about it. Like, I feel attacked. Like, and those are always my favorite meme. Like, when, when someone sends me a fucking meme and I'm like, ooh, I feel attacked on that one. Like, that's the funniest shit. Like, I might not laugh out loud, but, like... You know how that just hits you more when you feel attacked? Like, it, it's, that's a good thing. It's good. You should be laughing at yourself, you know? Uh, and speaking of laughter, Casper underscore FXLRS, <laughs> he came in and dropped a nugget. He said, it felt like I prayed the gay away when I traded my sports during for a lowrider. <laughs> Uh, that's fucking funny. You know, we need more people like that. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Oh, yeah. And then there's a whole group of people in the comments who are like, you know, yeah, you, you gotta be talking about an 883, man, cause them 1200s, them 1200s are a whole different breed, man. Them bikes are ripped mountains on my 1200, and I, I corner in the corners on my 1200. Um... Yeah, so, yeah, I guess I would say the comment section is filled with different types of people in in groups of people in there. So what have we went over? We went over the guys who assume it's an old dude rides a couch. There's a bunch of those dudes. There's a bunch of comments on whoever made this obviously doesn't own a motorcycle. There's the crowd that's like, eh, fuck 883, 1200s are dope. There's another group of people who are like, uh... Um, you know, I don't understand the hate on Harleys. At least they're not riding a fucking metric piece of shit. And it's like, (laughs) like, there's one comment. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it, but he's like, he's so upset that people are making fun of what anyone would choose to ride. And then at the end, he's like, at least they're not riding a fucking bike that fucking bombed us. Pearl Harbor, like, he takes it back to Pearl Harbor. I swear he started started having flashbacks. It got real bad for that guy. Um, But, yeah, he started off like, fucking don't hate anyone for what they're riding. Fuck these fucking goddamn Pearl Harbor bombing motherfuckers. It's like, whoa, dude, like, stop the hate, but only unless it's the hate that you say is okay. Like, calm the fuck down, man. Let's just make fun of everything. Like I've said. 1200 fucking times in the last eight minutes um oh mc dandy andy he said i know a few 88 inch sportsters that'll eat any other street bike out there 
And the only thing you can comment back to that on is, I just said, Hunger Games, bruh. Um, there was a comment in here about, like, again, going with that 1200 shit, like, he was like, 1200's fucking rip, and 883 is basically a Harley-themed moped, which I thought was fucking funny. Like, that's good. That's good. That adds to the conversation, you know what I mean? There's one dude like, uh, you know, this is the reason I'll never... There's a couple dudes like this, but one guy commented, this is the reason I'll never own a Harley. Dude, I checked his page out. I had to hit him back with, dude, I looked at your page. Be honest, you were never buying a Harley. Like, this guy was not buying a Harley. I don't want to be too mean, but... uh if you go to the video and you find that comment, like, uh, you know, it's real clear. Like that dude was never buying any type of motorcycle. It just wasn't happening, but yeah, you can go check it out. I'm not going to hold you here hostage and read all these things to you. Oh, there was another group of people who are like, this is fucking gatekeeping. I hate these gatekeeping posts. Did the definition of gatekeeping change? I know, like, a lot of things have changed in the last fucking five years with, like, you know, all this wokeness. And Did gatekeeping change? Is making jokes against some other thing, is that now considered gatekeeping? Because I don't think... Like, when I think of gatekeeping, I think of, like... Someone figured out how to do something on a motorcycle, like fix a part or mix paint a certain way, and he's not telling nobody. You know what I mean? Like, hey, man, how did you do that? Like, I just did it. It's like, oh, that's gatekeeping. You know what I mean? Ripping on sportsters is not gatekeeping unless if, if, if you guys know that the definition of gatekeeping changed, like, please hit me up with some research papers or whatever i don't know but i do want to say this because i don't think i mentioned it uh i made this video based on real life events the day i made this video i was at work driving home from work so i wasn't at work anyway i seen a dude on a side street like he turned a corner i didn't get a good look at the bike i think it was a honda it might have been a yamaha like some like early 90s mid 80s metric bike for sure but his vest or his his jacket he was wearing it had a giant fucking lion's head on it like filled the whole back like the whole back patch was just a giant fucking lion's head and i'm driving home from work by myself so what am i thinking i'm thinking like oh this dude's like oh i got a lion you know between my legs listen to my motor roar but for me you know i didn't say he was riding a metric bike i just switched it to a sportster because i thought that was more funny you know what i mean that's like I'm not a comedian, but that's like what comedians do. They take a little nugget of truth and they fucking expand on it and they make it funny. So I made something I thought was funny. Going back to like, if you look at the Bump Shop Diaries page, I make shit that I think is funny. When other people think it's funny, that's just a bonus. That's an absolute bonus. But anyway, the whole point of this is like, 
Dude, it's okay to laugh at yourself. It's it's life is more fun when you're fucking laughing. So try to do that as much as fucking possible. You know what I mean? Like we're not getting out alive. Life is fucking hard. But like why make it harder by taking everything so serious and getting fired up about fucking everything? Like, dude, that's just not a good way to spend your time. Like, getting angry about shit that does not matter. Like, if it matters, if, like, you know, something happens, someone, you know, does something terrible to someone you fucking love, like, yeah, get angry, handle your business, all that. But, like, when it's just a fucking dumb thing on the internet and people get fired up and make comments, dude... What is that? That is insanity. You're just wasting your time that you, you know, time isn't endless. Like, everybody's time ends at some point. And you're just using it to, like, be angry and, like, defend Harley. There's a comment like, Evil Knievel wrote a Harley. Or a sportster. Okay. Cool, dude. Like, what do you... What are you doing with your life, bud? I don't know. At the same time, though, I like that people are commenting on it because it's some shit I made and that helps in the algorithm and, you know, fucking go to the website and buy some stuff and maybe that happens, whatever, you know. Um, By the way, I do want to say there is a new t-shirt design on the website. Go check it out. I completely thought of it myself. That's not true. You always got to give credit to people who fucking help you out. And me and Michigan Garrett were having a conversation about something. I mean, I could scroll back, but I'm not going to do all that. Anyway, he was like, you should make a shirt where it's a dude on a chopper or a deer on a chopper with a dude strapped to the sissy bar. And I was like, oh, fuck, dude. Yes, that is happening. And I immediately made that happen like that day. Uh, so yeah, the t-shirt is, it's a giant white-tailed buck, he's riding a chopper, he's got a hunter strapped to the sissy bar with some rope, the hunter is wearing tree bark, a little Easter egg for everybody who has heard me talk for the last fucking couple years, whatever, um, but yeah, Michigan Garrett inspired it, or, you know, I don't know, came up with it. Whatever we were talking about prompted him to think of it, and so I appreciate him throwing that out there. Thank you, dude. Shit's sweet. Um, And they're on the website. Go fucking buy one. Actually, don't fucking buy one. Like, what's the uh, Violent J from Shockumentary, you know? Haynes gets a cut, slices a little bit off the cheese. Now I gotta pay Michigan Garrett because it was his idea. Slices a little bit off the cheese. By the time you fucking buy a t-shirt, I owe $2.50 on every t-shirt being sold. So quit fucking buying them. I'm going fucking broke. That's not true, but whatever. Uh, Definitely go buy one. Um... What's that called? Where you say the opposite of what you want people to do? Reverse psychology. That's a little reverse psychology on you guys. Um, but yeah, go check out the website, bumpshopbackroom.com. I'm adding some tree bark to the website in a bunch of different sizes. So if you want to grab some, cool. Um, I also have some fenders, some dirt bike fenders, unbreakable. 
can't destroy them. They're yellow. I forget the name of the brand, uh, but I got a few pairs of them, front and rear fenders, brand new, new old stock in the package from the 70s. Those will be going up on the website. Um, But yeah, that new design, dude, go buy it. We're into bow season. And I think it's fucking cool. My dad had a couple shirts that were like that. Like, they would have, like, the hunters hanging from the buck pole, and the deer would be, like, wearing the hunter's clothes, you know, like, sitting around the fire in the cabin drinking beer, playing cards or whatever. You know, I think he had one that said, like, early to bed, early to rise, hunt all day and tell big lies or some shit like that. Like, I can still... Like, I can see the idea of that shirt. Like, he used to wear that shit all the time. So, for me, it was super dope because it's nostalgic. It's definitely inspired from the designs of late 80s, early 90s. And definitely fucking go buy one. I think they're fucking sick. Um, In the meantime, if you want a cheap laugh, go look at that fucking video on the Bump Shop Diaries instagram you can find it at bump shop diaries you should know that by now and uh yeah appreciate you guys fucking listening and get out there and go fucking laugh at yourself go fucking laugh at something don't take shit too serious we ain't getting out of here alive you know what i mean going to work sucks i don't care if you like it like it still sucks you know what i mean like i would rather just be not working and hunting or riding motorcycles or doing a million other fucking hobbies but since i have to go to work why be fucking angry about it why not just laugh at shit and not take it that serious and do a good job and fucking feel accomplished at the end of the day and go home and fucking do the shit that matters you know you never want to get so tired at work that you don't come home and work on your own shit And I don't know who said that, but that shit has stuck with me for years. I always think about it when I come home and I'm like, I'm fucking beat. I just want to take a nap and do nothing. And it's like, nah, man, I can't let fucking work defeat me, you know? So that's why I'm spending time fucking ripping dirt bikes, riding motorcycles, building fucking shit in the garage, fucking working on a podcast that like, you know, it's purely for my enjoyment or my own entertainment Uh, i don't make any money off of it if you want to donate i think there is a donate button in the descriptions of the podcast or whatever or go to the fucking website and buy something i'm not getting rich off of it it's just enough to like keep the website going and like i don't know it's just fun to do when it's not fun i'll quit fucking doing it you know what i mean so uh yeah with that being said if you haven't listened to the other episodes Starting at episode five is where the story episodes start. I think they've progressively been getting better. Appreciate the comments or the DMs from the people who have listened and enjoyed it. That kind of shit keeps me going. If you do enjoy it, fucking send it to somebody. Share it in your story. Um, Like, shout out to the Low Life Chopper podcast, which is now just the Low Life podcast. Uh, for sharing the clip I made of the episode, you know, like it's so easy to make a dumb meme and like people share that all over. But then like when you actually spend time and create something like, like the podcasts episodes, like they take a lot, it's, it's a lot more work than just having a conversation with someone. So 
like it's way more satisfying for me when I see people like posting that to their story or like seeing shares on that clip. Like, oh, these people have been like fucking DMing it, you know. Hopefully, like more people will listen. Which, like, checking the analytics, a lot more listeners on episode ten, which was ripe for a killing. So that was fucking sick. Like, goal accomplished. Like, I got more people to listen the first day than last time so you know just trying to keep that momentum fucking happening and uh sorry to keep your ear for so long i'm fucking jacked up on black coffee which you can go get at bumpshopbackroom.com um i got nothing else for you you know go live life shoot a deer build a fucking chopper rip on sporties i don't care dude just have a good time doing it and fucking enjoy bumshopbackroom.com